This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You know, and that's what I want to say, especially to your listeners who are like you in their 20s. It is okay to be in a place where you're very career focused and you want to learn as much and do as much. All you need to do is make sure the other parts are on the plate, right? And I like to think of the elevation approach as like, you're creating the ultimate meal, only you know what your favorite meal is, only you know when you add an ingredient and the taste is immediately off. And so gotta think about it that way. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and today's episode is something that I was literally nodding my head to the entire time. I was so excited to be listening to this or listening to her speak. I have Tina Wells on the podcast. She is incredible. If you don't know who Tina Wells is, well, you're about to because you're going to listen to this episode, but it was something that I was just like, I swear this came at the perfect time. Tina Wells is a successful author, speaker, brand builder, and introspective entrepreneur. She's recognized actually by Fast Company as one of the 100 most creative people in business, which would be such an honor to be on that list. So hopefully I'm on that list one day. Um, but she also has way, way more accomplishments. I mean, she was on Essence's 40 Under 30. She's the author of over 20 books. We talk a lot about that too. Uh, she is the academic director for Wharton. Do you guys know what Wharton is? That's UPenn. That's an Ivy League. For Wharton's leadership in the business world program. And she is the founder of Buzz Marketing Group, an agency that she founded at 16 years old. Um, she has huge clients. She was on O Magazine. Like, she's just incredible. I feel like I'm like, I can't believe I had her on my podcast. She's so good. Uh, and I'm about to read her book. So I will let you know how that is once I finish it. But anyways, this podcast was a lot about it wasn't like if you're an entrepreneur, this will be great for you. But even if you're not, this is going to be good for you because we talk a lot about work life harmony. She wrote a book called The Elevation Approach, and we talk a lot about that method and that approach of just living life in harmony. And it's something that I am trying to currently do as we speak. I feel like I feel really guilty if I'm not working. I feel really guilty if I'm not constantly hustling. And there is such thing as I, I don't I stray away from using the word balance. And we also talk about that in this episode. But there is such thing as harmony and taking time for rest and recreation. And we talk all about why that's actually important and why something that works for me might not work for you. And it's not a one size fits all, but it's this, you know, kind of like you're making this messy meal and seeing what tastes good and only you know what tastes good. And I don't know. It's just an amazing, amazing, amazing episode. I do not have the video for this because this was a Zoom recording. I really wanted to interview Tina. So that's why I was like, you know what? We're going to do this on Zoom because she is not based in Miami and I just wanted to have her on the podcast. So this will be a audio listen only. It will not be on my YouTube channel. But if you guys have been liking the YouTube channel videos, then please, please, please let me know how you guys have been liking those and make sure to comment on them. If you guys 
have enjoyed them. I feel like I'm, I'm reaching a lot more people by putting it on YouTube as well. So I'm really excited about that. But anyways, this episode was incredible. If you guys did enjoy it, please screenshot it, post it on your story. Also, you can rate us five stars. I keep saying us as if there's like a co-host. Like it's literally me. I just view the real real as like an entity. <laughs> so please rate the real real five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It would mean so much to me. And be sure to screenshot this episode and post it on your story. But anyways, without further ado, let's welcome Tina Wells to the show. Well, hello, Tina. Thank you for coming on my podcast. Natalie, thank you for having me. I feel like we're long overdue. I know. I know. We've been planning this for a long time. And then this morning, there were some difficulties, but we're here. I'm so excited to record with you. I feel like your story is, I guess your attitude on business and life is very similar to mine and my audiences. So I'm really excited to kind of pick your brain and have a conversation. Uh, well, that's good to hear. But I, you know, I love talking about work-life harmony. And so I can't wait to dig in. Yeah. I want to start things off with your childhood and you growing up. I know that you started your first business when you were a teenager. Was that something that you always wanted to do? Or like, why did you start that? Were you thinking at 16, like, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Let me start this because I'm the same way where I started things very early on. But I don't necessarily think I thought about them like, oh, this is going to be a business that takes off. It was kind of like hobbies ended up becoming my business. I totally agree with you. I always say I was an accidental entrepreneur. My dream at 16 was to be a fashion writer. And so what led me into my first business was answering an ad in the back of Seventeen magazine and getting a job as a product review editor. And so, you know, I always like to remind people this was 1996. I think the idea of being an entrepreneur wasn't even something that was celebrated the way it is now, right? It was like still a weird, strange thing you would do. That time it was, you know, I should be a lawyer, I should be a doctor, right? So I thought for a while, like I really wanted to do the fashion writing thing, but I might just be a lawyer. But it was very accidental and very, you know, I just was following something I was passionate about. And, you know, my parents were incredibly supportive. They still had requirements that I do my schoolwork. I was, you know, playing field hockey and on the yearbook and doing all those things. And so it really, while it was a company, it was really just a hobby in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So you got your start at 17. So you answered an ad at 17 and that's kind of how you you started this business. Is that right? Yep. So 17 Magazine had an ad for a newspaper for girls called the New Girl Times. And I answered an ad. I mean, this was before I even had a computer. I had a, a Smith or a brother word processor. And my mom faxed my like sample column from work. <laughs> and I got a call. And they're like, yay, we like your writing. We want to hire you as a product review editor. And I'm like, awesome. Then I'm like, I don't know what that means, but it's great. You know, and so it was really testing products and giving my opinion. And, you know, decades later, what do I still love to do? Test new products. And now, you know, I have a full product line in Target. So, you know, they tapped into something very early on. And I really credit Miriam Hip. She was the editor of the New Girl Times with, you know, really just like seeing my passion and spark and just giving me my first opportunity, mm -hmm. you know, and I think there's so many great writers that wrote for the New Girl Times way back in the day. And so it's just a real testament to someone like seeing that you have potential and nurturing it and giving you an opportunity. Yeah. And it's funny because when I was 15 years old, I actually was obsessed with Seventeen Magazine. I wanted to also, you know, 
be a magazine editor. Like I was dreaming of being Anna Wintour, you know, at that time, like that's what I wanted to be, which is funny because I don't do that now. But that was kind of like my dream. I loved picking up magazines at the grocery store when I was with my mom. And I would always like try to make my own. Like I tried creating my own when I was like in middle school that, and I was like, I'm going to make it and pass it out to all my classmates. And it was just always a dream of mine, but I started out applying to this thing called 17 style council. And it was like being a fashion, I guess, influencer before influencers were really a thing for 17 magazine. And they'd fly you out to New York, you would do photo shoots with them a few times a year, you would, you know, give your take on fashion trends, and I ended up getting it. And so that was kind of my like first step into, you know, being a creator and being more of a creative. And it's funny, because we both kind of got our start with 17 magazine in a way, you know, (laughs) it really it catapulted us and encouraged us. Absolutely. And it's those kind of things that I think, when you're young, I encourage so often, you know, just to pursue something, try something, take any opportunity, because you never know where it can lead. And I think, it's so great about doing those things when you're young. It's, you know, as we get older, I think things, I don't know, they become a little more prescriptive or like you have to do this, you have to go this direction. But when you're in your teens, it's like whatever you're interested in, just try something and be open. And so I love that. And, and, and look at how things we did when we were teenagers still have such an effect on our lives now. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the decisions I made when I was 15 years old, like have completely shaped my life today. My life would not be the same if I didn't make those decisions. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today, as it should, with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tip are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Eras tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? 
Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to theouai.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's theouai.com, promo code RealReal. And I know you mentioned like now things are a bit more prescriptive. And even when you were growing up, though, entrepreneurs weren't celebrated. It was, you know, doctor, lawyer, engineer, like a very traditional career path. What made you feel like you didn't have to go down that path? Or what made you kind of be like, I'm actually going to do my own thing or I want to try something new because that wasn't popular back then? Yeah, I credit my parents for sure. I'm the oldest of six children. And I think that they really let all of us lean in the direction we like. Like there were very strict rules in the house, right? Like you are going to do well in school. You know, my parents did so much to just fund our education, to make sure we were educated. So they're like, you will participate, you'll do the school stuff. And then whatever you're interested in, just try it. You know, so there was a lot of freedom in my household to really explore curiosity, to find new things. We were a family that was really big on reading. And so, um, you know, I talk a lot about how even my middle grade fiction writing came from my passion for reading and my dad taking us to the public library like once a week, every week of the summer. And I was able to you know, check out books and really get new ideas. And so I think I just grew up in a house that really cultivated curiosity. Yeah, and that sounds so similar to myself growing up. Like my parents definitely had those strict rules in terms of like going to school and getting an education, but they really encouraged us to do whatever else we wanted to try. And I never felt pushback from my parents for trying, you know, my own side hustles and, you know, exploring my own interests. And so I, I always think that that makes such a big difference. And I always try to encourage people now that maybe they didn't grow up in that environment and they're in their 20s right now and they feel stuck. Or they feel like, oh, my God, how do I, you know, go and I, I want to start my own business or I want to just carve my own path. What do you tell people that are a little bit older that, you know, feel stuck? They have a corporate job. They have, you know, bills to pay already, but they're really not happy in that. They kind of feel burnt out. They feel like I don't want this to be my life. Like, how do you make that change? Yeah, I, I feel like that's what I wrote a book about. Right. <laughs> and that's really what the elevation approach was, was, you know, exactly what you just spoke to, right? I'm in a place, I need to make money, I need to, you know, I have responsibility, but I really want to carve out space for myself in my life. And I think what I realized in creating the elevation approach in these cycles and phases that really propel you 
to the life you're looking for with, you know, the idea that it's going to be in harmony is you have to first have a process for asking yourself the tough questions, right? What is it that you really want? What are you not getting from your current opportunity or your current work situation? And what do you want that to look like? And then I have friends, you know, when we're out as girlfriends, you know, and they're like, I want to quit my job. I take them through an exercise and I say, okay, what do you want to do next? And what is it that you can focus on in your current job that's going to propel you forward, right? So it may not be the opportunity you want, but is there a connection you need to meet Is there something you need to get done that your current job can help you with, right? Because I really believe that we talk about this idea of stepping stones, right? You have to really maximize everything from where you're at right now to propel yourself forward to the next stage, right? So it's asking those questions and saying, I may not be fully happy with where I am now, but I know I can get to where I want to go. And I can see that even in my own life, right? Like I ran a company for a really long time that was publicly celebrated or I I was seen to be very successful publicly, but it was not fulfilling for me personally. And once I really started asking myself what I wanted to do, and I was really honest about that, those opportunities started showing up. But getting to that next level was fully possible because of where I was for so long, even not being happy, right? It taught me perseverance and skills and a whole skill set that was really important for what I'm doing now. And so I would say, don't be discouraged, right? There are skills you're learning where you are right now that are going to make you so much better when you get to the place you want to be. And you're going to say, now I know why I had to go through that stage. Now I know why I had to learn this lesson because now where I am now, I know how to deal with those types of situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that even if you're not necessarily where you want to be, which it's very rare to have your first job be your dream job. Yeah, you know, even if you start your own business, it's really rare for your first business and your first venture to be the thing that you're doing forever and to be that dream job. And I always think like, if you don't like something, that doesn't mean that it's a failure. It doesn't mean that, or even if you technically fail, like it doesn't succeed, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a hard stop. Okay, tough luck. Like you failed, like don't try again. Like I always think that every single failure, every single thing that you realize, like actually this isn't really where I want to be can lead you to the next thing because now you're learning more and more about yourself. It's kind of like when you're dating and you date someone and they end up not being the person for you. I don't think that it was necessarily a waste of time dating that person. I think it was, you know, you learned what you like and what you don't like to take into your next relationship. And I think it's the same thing with, you know, your job, your career, just stepping stones like that, like you were mentioning. Yep, I totally agree. Yeah. And I know that you've written, like you were saying, you wrote the Elevation Approach and you've written 20 other books, which is crazy. How <laughs> I want to know, like, how do you come up with these ideas? How do you sit down and actually write these books? Is it something that you kind of were like, I want to start writing books and you just sat down and did it? Is How impulsive are you when it comes to these things? <laughs> Well, no, I mean, I will tell you the theme for the early part of my career was just someone saying, you should try this, you should do this. And, you know, the story behind my first series, Mackenzie Blue, was that I was doing a marketing for a publisher at the time when Sister of the Traveling Pants and goodness, a lot of uh, Gossip Girl had just become really popular. And there was a marketing company behind those books. And I owned a youth marketing agency. And so when I was hired to do the marketing, an editor said to me, oh, you should do what this company is doing. And I was like, I don't know that I could do that. 
Mind you, I did end up going to college for journalism. I have a degree in journalism. So I always loved writing, but I felt that maybe my writing was now channeled into more of a marketing style writing. And so I just put that off. And then maybe a month after I was doing a focus group with a big company who wanted to understand this new customer called a tween. I personally started to fall in love with tweens and thought, oh my gosh, I love this seven to 12 year old. I love where she's at. I love how she's coming into her own space. She's funny. She's experiencing a lot of things for the first time. And then a mom approached me during one of those focus groups and said, I don't know what to do. My daughter's 10. She's reading Gossip Girl. I love that she's reading. I don't know if it's age appropriate. And that's what really became for me like a problem to solve, right? How do I write really engaging really fun books for tween girls that are parent approved, you know, and I feel like that's really the brand I've created around books. They're fun. Your child is going to enjoy it. I have a lot of librarians that tell me they recommend my books for at-risk readers, you know, and so I feel like my marketing background heavily influenced how I even wrote or came up with characters. And so that's how I got with the first series. And then as as soon as I sold it, they're like, okay, you're doing a series. There were five books in that series. We're going to assign you a writing partner. And I'm like, Oh, great. I was wondering how this is going to get done, right? (laughs) Then with every series, uh, you know, I've been very fortunate to have the same writing partner, Stephanie Smith, for 10 books now. And Steph is incredible. And I've really enjoyed the process of writing with her. And so, you know, it's the whole idea that, you know, you don't go as far as your dream, you go as far as your team, right? And I'm Mm -hmm. very fortunate in the writing process, especially to have incredible editors, incredible writing partners, amazing illustrators who bring my ideas to life in a way I like well beyond my dreams. You know, when you're writing something and then you have someone draw it for you in a way you're like, that's even better than what I could do. And you see someone create a cover and you're like, wow, you really brought the idea to life. And so it's very much a team effort. But to the other part of your question around inspiration, right? How do I come up with the ideas? That process is like 100% mine. And so it can be a little daunting at times, but I think that travel is really important for me to get out, to see things, conversations with people. I had a conversation with someone yesterday and he gave me an an idea. He was telling me a story about his son. And I said, oh, what you're talking about, this competitive sport I've never heard about, I promise you it's going to show up in a new series. You know, and we laughed about it, but like I look for inspiration in just those everyday moments. And I think, you know, I find a way to kind of channel that into whatever I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I mean, I think that it's funny because you look at it from an entrepreneur lens, even though it is a creative industry, like writing and becoming an author, especially for young adults or children. And it's very creative. You know, you sit down, you write, you have the illustrations. Most people don't think of that as analytical or entrepreneurial, I would say. But you looked at it as, no, this is a problem that needs to be solved. This is a white space in the market. I'm going to fill it. And these are, you know, the things that are going to captivate this audience. You're coming at it from a marketing perspective as well. Do you feel like you need to, I guess, like lean into one or the other a bit more in your businesses, like more into the creative side versus more of the business and analytical side? Or do you think that they kind of go hand in hand and they go together? I think um, I've always had that skill set as a marketer because marketing is both an art and a science, right? And you don't want to lean too heavily into either direction as a marketer because then it's like creative with no audience or you're so audience specific with no room for creativity or, or, you know, that unexpected spark. And so I think I've really always had that as a practice. And, you know, back to our earlier conversation around maybe not necessarily being in the job you want right now. 
what I learned as a marketer was, you know, a skill set that really guides everything I do now, right? So I'm, I might not be running an agency, but I use that framework when I'm, you know, building or creating a new book series and I'm building a new product line. All the things I learned early in my career are so helpful to me now. And they're really the building blocks for my creativity, to your point. You know, I really look at everything through the lens of who's the audience, who is it going to serve, what's going on in the world, what's the topic we need to talk about. And then I start to create, you know, but there definitely is a framework for me around that creativity. Do you ever get burnt out? Have you felt like I'm doing way too much? Yeah, I mean, and that was really the spark for this book, right? Was the idea that I, I really experienced my first burnout around 27 years old and took me 12 years to really kind of perfect the elevation approach. And even now, you know, I'm in a really busy season. And, and what I realized, you know, there in those four phases of the elevation approach, preparation, inspiration, recreation, and transformation was I was constantly in preparation and inspiration, right? So I'd do all the legwork around an idea. I'd go socialize it, get super excited and stay in that zone and I was burning out. And when I added recreation and it's anything from walking for 15 minutes, not for workout, right? Workouts for me are in preparation, but just something with joy. I was then able to tie it together and move to transformation and actually complete it. And so I have tons of different types of recreation. It's anything from having dinner with friends to watching a favorite show or reading a magazine just to read, like reading for fun, right? I think as writers, sometimes we don't just take time to read whatever we want to read that brings us joy. And so that's a big part of my practice now is to say, okay, I know this is going to be a busy season. And I think for a lot of your listeners, you know, you could be finishing your degree. You could be in a very busy season at work. It doesn't mean that there isn't a time when you really are grinding. It means that you've already kind of carved out time to recover. And I think what we forget to do sometimes is to carve out very specifically that recovery time so that we can bring it all together. And it doesn't always mean it's a big vacation. It's a huge, you know, it could be, I have to have this brunch on Sundays with my girlfriends because it's the time I need to recharge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that because I definitely, I'm a founder of a company as well. And it's definitely, I feel guilty sometimes or unproductive sometimes if I'm not always doing work. Like if I'm not sitting down at my computer doing work, I'm like, oh my God, I'm, wasting time the company's gonna go down like what am I doing what example am I setting for the team if I'm not working all the time when everyone else is working or after or at night or in the morning you know like I constantly feel the stress that I need to be on all the time and then I also need to remind myself that working doesn't always just look like sitting down on a computer answering emails like if I did that 24 hours a day I would honestly one burn out and crash and burn very hard but also that doesn't bring any new ideas. It doesn't bring any new sources of inspiration. It doesn't let my mind wander and come up with the ideas that led me to even start the company. So do you incorporate all of these things in a weekly basis, daily basis, monthly basis? Are you structured with it? Is it just when you feel like you need to like, okay, hold on, I'm, I feel like I'm going too fast. Like I need to set a time to relax. Like I'd love to know kind of your tangible tips for how to actually implement the elevation approach. Yeah. So I think when you've spoken to something that I felt so often, which was how can I take any time away from my business? And what I started to experience, and again, remember, I'm incredibly analytical, right? So I need data. When I started to realize that when I would take time for recreation, and it could be anything from like 
a slow flow yoga class at 4.30 in the afternoon when I'm literally just stretching. I always noticed I would come out and I'd process solutions to problems that I didn't even know I was thinking about, right? Where I'm like, oh, this is how I should handle this. This is how I should handle that. I'm going to go call this person right now. And I was becoming way more productive, right? Because things that might, I might stew with or might anger me or might make me like very frustrated, all of that was leaving, right? And, and it wasn't always like the slow flow. It could be taking an afternoon phone call with a friend or something. Like I was always starting to notice this pattern of things were getting fixed, things were getting solved. It was moving a lot faster. And so for me, um, the elevation approach is a seasonal, monthly and daily practice. And what I mean by that is like the preparation is winter, inspiration is spring, recreation is summer, transformation is fall, right? So I'm able to live that. And then in my day, you know, my mornings are spent in preparation. So, you know, and those key instant elevation principles there are decluttering your space, getting curious, knowing your numbers, right? That's my morning. I'm cleaning a few things so I can make space for the day. I'm catching up on news. I'm reading all the top news of the day. I'm checking on my emails, right? Some things I really need to pay attention to. And then there's some spark for curiosity. What's a trend in my industry? You know, I love reading industry news, new ideas, things I should know about. And then my inspiration block of the day is really when I'm getting social, right? So I'm doing interviews, I'm taking meetings, I'm on Zoom, I'm going out, right? So, and that part of the day is really important. I find the recreation part of my day is when I'm doing things like the afternoon walk, or even if, you know, now the weather is crazy nice here in New Jersey, it's going out and getting that afternoon coffee, right? Just that little time to go get it, do something for myself, come back. I'm ready to like power through the rest of my day and transformation. And so, you know, I have a planner that I've created that's dedicated to this approach. And I've found that it just, it feels nice, right? And so when we talk about this whole concept of work-life harmony, that's what I'm talking about is the idea that everything in our lives has to really fit together and work for mm -hmm. us. And so I think when you find a practice that works, you really have to work it. And for me, this practice feels really comfortable. And it's also very easy once you get into the habit of doing it. Yeah. I mean, for us, for my team, like I work with my co-founder in our office right now. I'm at my apartment because I actually like to switch it up a little bit. I can't be, you know, at the same place five days a week. Like I really do like switching up my environment and that works for me. But when we're at the office together, we'll go on a daily walk. And that's when we'll talk about life. We'll talk about work. We'll talk about, but it's, it's not that pressure of being in like a meeting on Zoom or, you know, it's, you're just able to kind of relax a little bit. And then when we come back, we're like recharged again, or we'll go and we'll get a coffee. And it's such a small thing. And it makes such a difference in the day like that 30 minute walk, if I didn't do it, like my day would be altered, like it would not be as productive, I wouldn't feel as rested as I would if I was just sitting on my computer all day long. And my mind is like, wandering also because I don't want to be staring at a screen for eight hours a day. So I totally agree. But it's such a mental thing to be like, you can step away. And yep. it's gonna be okay. Like I still even though I know that that's fine, I still feel so much guilt around that. Like, have you felt that though? Or even today? Do you struggle with that? Or you kind of know because you know that it works for you? Exactly. I don't feel, I think early on, I mean, I always tell the funny story of like my first vacation when I snuck and brought my laptop, even though it wasn't invited and it died because I never, <laughs> the battery just died because I didn't plug it in for a week. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is what a vacation feels like. But again, I, 
it's very much once you start to do something, it's this is no different than like if you're starting a new workout routine, if you're starting a new way of eating, when you see it's working, that's when you commit to it, right? If we start things and we feel like we're throwing everything into it and it's not working, we're not going to keep doing that, right? And so right. you have to figure out in this process when if, it, if it's working for you and then how to make it work for you. That's why I don't say, you know, this is my prescriptive way of doing things, right? I believe in these four phases. I believe you need these four things to make it work, but you've got to decide what the actual ingredients are for you, right? So I, that's why I won't say, here's the one way to experience recreation. No, you have to decide like for you, the coffee and walking, for me, the coffee and walking works. For someone else, it might be something totally different. It might be that like you want to play video games in the middle of your day. Okay, great. That's what works for you, right? You've got to have a bit of a break to just blow off steam. And so I think what's so great about the elevation approach is you really can decide what feels good for you and where you're seeing results. And I think like anything, you can take it step by step and try it, right? And see what happens when you try five minutes of recreation, move it up to 15, move to 30. And you might notice like me that like you need that hour and you're able to work. You know, I work pretty long days and I feel great working those long days, but I need to have a few things really work for me to, to be able to give that kind of time and attention to my companies. When did you realize that you needed a change? Like, when did you realize I'm burning out? This is not sustainable. I think, again, probably around 27. And then I spent a long time cheating the system in a way. I remember being on like a work trip that was at a ski resort and I was having a massage, right? So in my mind, I'm like, work trip massage, I'm doing it. This is a really good, like we're talking and he's like, I just want you to know, I think you're working out to relieve stress, but your body's gotten so used to you needing that. That's actually not relieving your stress. You've still got a ton of stress here. And I'm like, oh, wow. Right. So I think we start doing things and in our own way, cheating the system being like, oh, I'm, I, I'm good there. I'm doing this thing. I'm working out. I'm in, I'm healthy. I'm in good shape. You know, one thing I started doing was a lot of data trackers for accountability around my health. Right. So I wear an aura ring every morning. I see my sleep score. You know, that was an area where I was cheating big time where I'm like, I feel good. I feel good. I'm fine. And when I started looking at my readiness a couple of years ago, I'm like, I am not fine. I'm coming into the day, not fully rested. And once I realized every morning I was going to confront this sleep score, I really started taking better care of myself and being more productive and, you know, going to sleep, just making sure I had a certain amount of time every night. And so I found that those tools were really helpful. But when I was cheating the system, it wasn't working. When I really started doing things, you know, even with my workouts, right, I started to really listen to my doctors. We really went through a journey of understanding what my body needed, which was kind of the opposite of what I wanted to do, you know? Um, but once I started to align, things started to change big time. No, that's that's awesome. And at that point at 27, what was your career like at that time? Oh, good. it was as crazy as ever. You know, when I was 25, I had a cover story with O Magazine. And, you know, you can imagine O Magazine at that time was like everything, you know? And so I felt like I was very humbled and grateful for what I had been able to accomplish at that point. And I felt, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to this, when you feel like you've been given such a big gift, you feel like your only response is to hustle mm -hmm. and to just, you know, crush it because you're just so thankful for what you've gotten. But that was creating a lot of, you know, like I was sick. I was always feeling like just 
internally unwell, you know, like, oh, I'm going to an event and I feel like my stomach or, you know, all these things that I didn't realize at the time what my body was trying to tell me. And I think when we're younger, sometimes we just like destroy ourselves, right? No sleep, living on coffee, doing all the things that we see reflected in culture to mean we're hustling, and but it's not really the best thing to do. And I think for me now in my 40s, I could never live that way. You know, I couldn't put that kind of stress on my body the way I was doing in my 20s and 30s. Yeah, I definitely relate to that a lot. I'm 27. I'm about to be 27. And so I'm at that point where I'm like, I don't want to reach that stage of burnout. I don't want to have this unsustainable way of living. So I'm being very, very conscious about, you know, taking rest and, you know, doing things that I enjoy. I think now what I need to overcome is that mental state of, you know, it's okay if I'm doing this because then sometimes I feel stressed when I'm relaxing and that's not good. You know, I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, you know, trying to relax, but like I should be on my email and I, I shouldn't feel that way. So I think that's, I'm at that point where it's like, even though you are relaxing, your body was so used to stress that you needed to actually take a step back and reevaluate. So I will 1 million percent be reading the elevation approach because I think that it's going to be very necessary for me. And it just I resonate with a lot of what you're saying. And I noticed that you don't use the word balance. Is there a reason that you don't say work-life balance and you say work-life harmony? Yes, definitely. Because if you think about a scale and you think about balance, it means you have to keep adding things to the scale to stay in balance, right? So if you're in a season where you have tons of work, the only way to be in balance is to add tons of play. Right. And so then you're just adding and adding and adding and adding where Harmony says all of these things can live together, you know, and that's what I want to say, especially to your listeners who are like you in their 20s. It is okay to be in a place where you're very career focused and you want to learn as much and do as much. All you need to do is make sure the other parts are on the plate. Right. And I like to think of the elevation approach as like you're creating the ultimate meal. Only, you know, what your favorite meal is. Only, you know, when you add an ingredient and the taste is immediately off. And so got to think about it that way, right? You might be in a season where you're like, the majority of my plate is work, right? But what are the other things that round it out so you feel whole and it feels like full, you know? And that's really what I'm asking you to do is to take a minute to get to know where you are at this life stage. Be very honest, you know, don't, you know, give yourself an idea that you're going to do something you know is not possible at this stage, but you know, you might not be at a place where you can go on a vacation for two weeks. That might be years away. That was for me in my 20s. But the idea that every weekend you can carve out some rituals for yourself, every day you can have some rituals, every week you're making space for recreation. I think that's very possible at that current life stage. Yeah. I'm also very anti saying like work-life balance because I don't think there's ever going to be a true balance. I like that you what you're saying that everything needs to work together. And also with balance, like you said, like I think that in the beginning, a few years ago, hustle culture was a huge thing. It was like, you have to hustle, hustle, hustle. And then now a kind of like swung the opposite way where it's like, actually don't work really do, you know, live your best life. Like just whatever. Like, I, I feel like it kind of like swung the other way. And I'm like, I disagree. I'm, I'm like, like, soft life is going to have you girls broke. You can't yeah. soft life. What are you talking about? You know, it's like, and that's what we do, right? Culture tends to go so extreme. And it's like, no, you, if you want to really be in balance, right? That whole idea, I do believe, but I think the balance for me comes through harmony. Because mm -hmm. when I think of a scale, I'm never going to have the scale balanced. 
But harmony, I am going to always get to a place where things work together. And by the way, things working together doesn't mean that it's not a little messy sometimes. Life is messy. When you think about your perfect plate, flavors are mixing, sauces are mixing, right? It's not like every single thing is in a quadrant and it's perfect. It's like, no, but I love all of those things mixing together. I love when all those flavors come together and it feels good and it tastes good and it's exactly the taste I wanted to have. And that's what we're talking about, right? It's going to be a little messy, but in a way that feels so fulfilling, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think back to the pandemic when a lot of families were together and we talked a lot about the anxiety and, you know, everybody's working from home, everybody has a space, but think about some of the magic that happened when you could finish up a Zoom and go have lunch or dinner with your family and everyone's together and you're having meals together and you're seeing your children or your family members or your parents during the day. You're going on walks with friends because you're all all home. We can be outside together. So let's go on a midday walk. You know, there were those moments that just felt really good. And so that's what we're trying to get to is, you know, not the idea that we've got to keep adding more stuff, but really the idea that, you know, all of this can really feel great. And even if you are hustling, I'm hustling right now, right? But it feels good. And I'm carving out breaks. I'm scheduling those breaks so I can make sure I have them to look forward to even in the middle of hustling. Yeah, no, I... Totally, totally agree. Like, I think that we need that reminder again of like, hey, like, obviously, we're not in pandemic times, but like those things, hopefully we can take into this post pandemic period. And I like what you said that life is messy. And because I I think like right now, I'm in a season where I need to be working really hard. And I need to be like hustling. That doesn't mean I neglect other areas of my life. But I'm fine with putting in extra hours or, you know, maybe not hanging out with friends every single night or, you know, like I'm fine or not having that two week long vacation, for example, like that's not the period right now. But I know that in a few years, hopefully I'll be able to have that period where it is a little bit more downtime. But I think, yeah, like, like you said, society just does extremes and we got to meet somewhere in the middle. (laughs) Absolutely. And give yourself space and grace to say, it might take you like it took me over a decade to perfect what this looked like for me. And I think as you're also aging, you know, more of your life can be lived on your terms, you know, which is something I wish I had understood, you know, that the work pays off, but you want to make sure you're celebrating it along the way. I don't think I was that great in my 20s and 30s about celebrating successful moments. You know, it's still very hard for me because I'm like, I have so much more to do, but understanding now, like, take time, celebrate wins, create those small rituals, you know, every day, no matter where I'm at in the world, I'm going to have a hot beverage in the morning, right? I love the idea of preparing it for myself. I might switch between a tea or a coffee, but I love taking that time. You know, I love a bath ritual. I love having those kind of things, you know, having my favorite scent, whether it's like a scent machine or a candle or whatever, like there's certain things that just make my day better. And I think your listeners being able and you deciding what those are for you, even if we're hustling or burning or feeling we're going to a burnout, we're still making those time, you know, little time during the day to have those rituals. Yeah, no, I love that. I feel like this whole podcast was just like exactly what I needed to hear. So thank you so much. I know that my listeners will love it. And I just was like nodding my head to everything. So <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Tina. Where can they find you? Where can they find your books? Link everything. Yes. Um, so tinawells.com and you can sign up for my newsletter, elevationtribe.com. There's actually a quiz there 
called What Season Are You In? So you can figure out what season you're in in the Elevation Approach. Um, and you can find the book wherever books are sold. And Elevation by Tina Wells is a home office brand that is currently living exclusively at Target stores. And so you can find that at Target's Nationwide and Target.com. Amazing. I know. I feel like I we need a part two with like everything else that you do because I'm so impressed and inspired by your career. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Natalie. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Roomf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.